0: The the name and form, okay, is represented by the boat. It's taking us a, the, the which is the body, the passengers, the oars, person, and the different mental aggregates, and then we're going across the sea of samsara in the currents of birth, aging, sickness, and death. Yeah? So it's like when you, when you're born into a new body, you know, this new boat, then that's the vehicle that takes you, you know, from this life to the next life. Yeah? You go from this life to the next life. And it's also the vehicle through which we experience all the happiness and, and unsatisfactory experiences of this life as well. Okay. And, um, okay. Then the fifth link is called the six sources. What it means here is the six sense organs, or the six six, better sense faculties maybe. There's different ways of translating it, okay, sense faculties, sense organs, okay. But it's the meaning of the six sources here, which is the fifth link, is that. So what it means, the sense faculties are our eye, our ear, you know. the the nose faculty that allows you to smell, the the taste faculty, the tactile organ, yeah, and then all the consciousnesses that can generate a mental consciousness. So they all become like the sense faculty, the thing that, that is able to join the object to the consciousness that can make perception occur, that's the sense faculty. So when we first take rebirth, it, it's kind of, it's symbolized here by an empty house. You see the house? Okay. Because when we first take rebirth, it looks like nobody's home. Yeah? I mean, when, when we're a baby in the womb, it looks like there's not a whole lot of perception going on. Because, I mean, the eyes can't, the eyes aren't open at that time. The baby isn't breathing. He can't smell. The organs are there, but they're not really functioning yeah, you're not really having, the, not all your sense perceptions. You're definitely having mental ones and you're having, we were talking, you were saying yesterday that they can hear things last time. So I guess to a certain extent the ears working and they can feel things to a certain extent. So the organs are kind of developing while in the womb. But they aren't all completely there. So it's symbolized by the house being empty. Okay? I I know that some of the symbols may not be exactly the way we would symbolize something in our culture, but just kind of bear with it. Okay? Okay. We're, we're gonna get into that. Okay? Yeah. When, when I go through everything in a slower way, okay. we're gonna get into that. Okay. Exactly how consciousness is working there. So because in the 12 links, there is some overlap of different things. Okay, well, then my last question is what would of those six sense objects, those things? Six sense faculties, the sense organs. Faculty, so those like the tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Not the gross tongue, the but the part of the tongue that enables you to connect with the taste. So it would be like inside the taste buds, you know, some kind of subtle thing inside, not just the gross tongue. Okay. And so what was the six the oh, okay. You have the five physical senses, and then for the mental consciousness, the sense faculty for that is the is um actually all six consciousnesses because all when you're thinking about something with your mental consciousness, kind of the thing that connected you with your object was like you're remembering something you saw, so your visual consciousness is kind of generating that. You're remembering something you heard. So your your auditory consciousness is generating that mental consciousness. Okay? Everybody with me? Okay. Um, So the sixth one is a couple embracing. And this is its um, contact. Okay? So in order to have perception, we need the coming together of... The consciousness, the object, and the sense faculty. So contact is those three coming together producing cognition or perception. The object, the sense organ, and the consciousness. Okay, so if I see something, I have to have, let's say, the color purple, my eye consciousness, okay, the cones and rods, and, and not my eye, that's not my eye consciousness, that's the eye faculty or the eye organ, visual organ, and then the third part is the visual consciousness, which is the conscious, you know, the thing that perceives it, okay? So, contact is when those three come together so that you actually have perception, because when you don't have contact, like right now, um, you're, we're not having contact with our cars, okay, our eye consciousness is not seeing the car, there is no contact, okay, or our ear consciousness isn't, isn't hearing ice cube or ice tea or, you know, so there's no, con- the, the, because the faculty and the object and consciousness haven't joined, there's no perception of that, okay. So contact is when those things come together and that's symbolized by the couple embracing, okay. So that's creating perception. Now, what does perception generate? Do you see this whole kind of evolutionary process we're going through? From ignorance that's creating karma, the karma creates the, con- you know, karma is placed on the consciousness, that consciousness takes rebirth in the womb, okay? The the name and form then has developed the sixth sense organs, but they aren't yet functioning. When they start to function, we have contact, and then the contact produces feeling. Yeah, and this is where we get really hung up, yeah? (laughs) We get hung up between feeling and craving, which is the next one, yeah? Because as soon as we have contact, it generates feeling. Yeah, so we get pleasant feelings, we have unpleasant feelings, we have neutral feelings, yeah? So our feelings, and again, this is so interesting when you really think about it, because you can see how the contact of, the contact is dependent arising, dependent on the object, the faculty, and the consciousness, and the feeling, our feelings of pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, those are also dependent also. They're dependent on the contact. And this is real in- interesting, you know, because when we have certain pleasant or unpleasant feelings, we feel like they're so solid, so real, so there. And it's real interesting at that time to remember, they only exist because there's contact with the object. No contact, no feeling. Yeah? Yeah? So it's not like these things are like so solid and rigid. It just exists because cause exists. No cause, no result. Yeah? Okay, so we have the feeling. Now, there's nothing wrong in the feelings themselves, okay? Okay, feelings, feeling pleasure, nothing wrong with it. It's what we all want, isn't it? You know, feeling unpleasant, nothing wrong with it, even though we don't want it, okay? Feeling neutral, there's nothing wrong with feelings. Where we get hung up is how we react to our feelings, okay? And remember, feeling here, it doesn't mean emotional feeling. It means pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral feeling. It's a slightly different word than usage of the word feeling than sometimes we use it in in liberal American, yeah? So when we have pleasant and unpleasant feelings, what does that give rise to? It gives rise to craving, because we crave to be with the pleasant feelings, and we crave to be free of the unpleasant ones. No. Craving is attachment. Yeah, it's it's a particular kind of attachment. Okay. Because craving here is it's 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 craving to not only like attachment to be with the pleasant things, but it's also craving to be free of the unpleasant things and it's craving for the neutral feelings not to subside and become unpleasant ones, okay, so it's a special kind of craving, yeah you said that pleasant is doing oh, see the word where we get tangled up is that there's no word for emotion in Tibetan or Sanskrit and because our English word feeling is very vague. Yeah, our English word feeling could mean something like I feel hot or I feel pleasant or I feel angry. So the word we use for feel can can have this incredible vast amount of usages whereas here the word feeling is referring just to the pleasant and unpleasant feelings, okay? Whereas emotion is much more your reaction towards those feelings, okay? So, um, if there's a pleasant feeling, I get all excited, yeah? I get really delighted and I want more and I dream about it, okay? That's emotion. Now if there's an unpleasant feeling, I feel discouraged or I feel disappointed or I have aversion or hatred, okay, so that is, that's another kind of emotion that's arising from the unpleasant feeling. Okay, So this is something, you know, when you're doing the mindfulness meditation, when you're doing the breathing, (laughs) this is a real interesting point to try and notice, okay, is notice the difference between the feeling and your reaction to the feeling so you know you might be sitting there watching the breath and then your knee starts to hurt so temporarily your consciousness your attention you might put it on the, the pain in the knee and differentiate see if there's a difference between the sensation of the pain in your knee and your feeling of, I've gotta move my leg, I can't stand this. Okay? Because what happens sometimes is we mix, we get it all mixed up. Okay? Yeah, there's the pain in the knee, that's okay. But then, do you see how sometimes we get really, we build up this whole story about the pain in the knee? It's like, oh, I've got to move, I can't stand this, oh, why are they making me sit here? You know, and it's like, we get this whole, there, there's the physical sensation there, and then we get this whole craving, you know, an emotion regarding it. And they're two different things, two different things same thing when you have a fit a nice pleasant sensation you know and this is um you know really interesting when you eat your food slowly you eat something and you have some pleasant sensation and then watch how right away the mind says I want more I want more <laughs> yeah and then we start planning how to get more when we haven't even finished swallowing the first bite but there's a real difference between the pleasant sensation in your mouth, on your tongue, and that that mind that then jumps in afterwards and says, oh, this is so great, this is the best I've ever had, and I want more, and I have to have more, and uh, so you can kind of watch that. When you slow down, you can see the difference between the feeling sensation and then the craving and the different emotions that, that arise in reaction to that. Mm-hmm. See, this is where... This is where we get really hung up, yeah, is we don't let the feelings alone, but we instantly, you know, jump in and, 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 yeah, give them juice. Okay, so feeling is the seventh one, and that's the arrow in the eye. The eighth one, craving, is shown by somebody drinking. They're drinking alcohol, okay? Isn't alcoholic mentality the best description of craving? Yeah. The thing is, I mean, we aren't all alcoholics, but the mind functions in a very similar way just regarding other objects. Okay. We're praiseaholics, <laughs> or moneyaholics, <laughs> or you know, imageaholics, something like that, where we're, you know, we're craving yeah we want more we want more we want better yeah and so it's it's this addictive behavior and it's really the nature of dissatisfaction I mean when you drink a lot or when you overeat or when you over listen to your music or when you overdrive around the city or because you know, you're bored and you have nothing to do or when you you know you you're a, sh- a shopaholic and you know All these things it's the nature of dissatisfaction isn't it I mean just the craving craving what which seems like if we crave and fulfill our craving we'll be happy that craving itself is such a painful emotion because it's so dissatisfied yeah so restless and you can feel it in your physical energy yeah you know You can feel just this restless energy in your body sometimes. Is this just the craving and not going for it? Grasping is the next one. That's when you go for it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you for prompting me. Yes. So grasping is the next one, and grasping is when you're going for the next thing, okay? Okay. So craving arises at the time of death when we crave this body, we don't want to separate from this body, so we crave it, and then when we have to leave this body, then what do we do? We grasp for another one. Yeah? Grasp for another one. We don't. (laughs) Since beginningless time, we haven't learned. And so that's why the picture of the person picking fruit off the tree, reaching for another rebirth, reaching for another thing, as if we don't have enough problems already. We reach for another body to jump into so we can, again, get born, get sick, get old, and die. Yeah? So when people have this idea of we take rebirth to learn a lesson, you know, I, I I don't see a lot of people learning lessons, you know, this and this is the whole reason why Dharma practice is so important, because, you know, the moment we reach out for another body, we're, we're this is the, you know, the alcoholic taking another drink, this is the dysfunctional person going back into the relationship, yeah, this is just doing it again because it's familiar, because it's safe, because it seems like it's going to make you happy and changing is really scary. And this is, this is, I mean, this is our universal sentient being phenomena, okay? It's not just us personally. I mean, we're all in the same boat here, okay? Which is why when you come to see this and then you, you start you start really appreciating what the Buddha's teachings are, you know, because when you really kind of look at your own behavior, you know, you crave for this body, you jump into another one, you get born and sick and old again and die. And then here's the Buddha who kind of comes along and teaches you the path to enlightenment, and how to stop this whole thing. And then it's, it's I mean, it's like this light in, in, in a dark tunnel. It's like, you know. It's like the sun rising in the horizon because it's like, wow, I never knew that that there was any possible way out of it. And so, you know, we really feel at that time the kindness of the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. Okay, then, so we grasp, and then the tenth link is called um, becoming, or sometimes it's called existence. I, I like to call it becoming. And it's symbolized um, by a, a pregnant woman. And what that means, it's at that time, we've craved for this body at death, we've grasped for the next body. That has made the karma ripen. The karma is fully ripe, you know, like a pregnant woman about to give birth, okay? The karma to jump into the next life is fully ripe. That's this link of becoming. Then the 11th link is birth, but what it means here is conception, okay? And it's symbolized by a woman actually giving birth. So the symbols aren't exactly joining to the time when these things are happening, okay? And then the 12th link is aging and death. And that's symbolized by a hunched up old person and then a corpse that's getting carried away. Okay? So, this is is the 12 links. This is just a slight introduction to the 12 links. We're going to go through them again more in depth and really see how they work together. Yeah? Eleven is is called birth, but it's the time of conception, okay? And then from the time of conception onwards is the twelfth link. So it's not that the twelfth link is just aging and dying, which other people do, you know, like once you're 85, but it's the, the moment after conception from that time on, we're aging. Yeah? No, it's when you would leave this body and you take a bar the intermediate stage body that's similar to your, your next. Actually, this, this one of becoming, yeah, is the karma ripening at the time of death. Okay. And then it's kind of, you know, you're, you're grasping onto an intermediate stage body. And then the one of, of birth, the eleventh link, is when you get a gross body again.